0: The most significant test to examine your maturity is how you responded when you did not get what you wanted, let's take it up a notch, especially if what you hoped for was a good thing. So what I would like for you to do right now is to look in your rear view mirror and think about the last thing that you did not get, the thing that disappointed you, and then examine yourself how you responded to the no that came in your life. Responding with humility to disappointment, what does it do? Well, it magnifies the the strength of God through your weakness, and that is biblical maturity. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. I have a 2000 plus word article for you on the website. You're welcome to read it The title of that article and this podcast is How to Assess Yourself to See if You Are Mature. I also have a graphic here that will help explain what I'm trying to communicate. And as always, if you have any questions for me and our team We have a spot for you, and you're welcome to come to our website, rickthomas.net. Jump on our free forums. If you are not a supporter of our ministry, that's fantastic. It's free to you. Come on, and let's talk. If you are a supporting member, we have a private place for you, and you can come to our private forums and talk directly to Rick and his team, and we will speak with you. The reason that we can provide so much to you is because of Lisa. Lisa came to our ministry recently. She is supporting us at $5 a month. And then there is Mark, who is supporting us at $25 a month. And then there is David, who is supporting us at $50 a year. Kathleen, thank you also. She donated to our ministry $25, a one-time donation, and you can you can do that too. That would be great. You don't have to be a recurring supporter. You can donate if you wish, and that would be fantastic. I have a dream one of these days as our support gets to the place to where we can pay all of our bills. We're going to make everything on our website free, except for the private forums, of course. We can't do that. I talked about making our resources free a number of years ago, and I got, I got politely fussed at. I said, Rick, you're not going to make the private forums free, are you? I don't want them to be free because that's, that's a smaller community where I can come and talk about things that are going on in my life. And that was a good reminder to me. And so we won't make that free, but we will make everything else free. But here's the dream. Imagine that you can walk into Best Buy, the big box store, or walk into a super Walmart or Walmart super center or a Costco or whatever big box store is in your community, and everything in the building was free. Wouldn't that be amazing? And you could be there all day having unlimited talk time with the employees of the big box store. Well, that's my dream. Now, I may be dead when that happens, but that's okay. I am aiming for that, pushing for that, asking the Lord to give us that where people can come into our big box sanctification center that is in cyberspace, and they can stay as long as they want. They can talk as long as they want. Uh, They can take all the resources, and it won't cost them a dime. Now, that's my dream, and I thank all of you who are helping to make that happen. So, Kathleen, thank you so much for your donation. David, thank you for becoming a supporter. Mark and Lisa, thank you so much uh, for your kindness. We're going to get there, and for those of you who do pray for our ministry, Ministry, please pray uh, that that day will come sooner than later because I would like to see it on this side of heaven, but I'll take it either way. Let's talk about biblical maturity. Assess yourself. How do you assess yourself to see if you are mature? It reminds me of a story of my son. Many years ago, he was much younger, probably six or seven years old at the time, and he wanted to play on the family iPad. He loves video games then and now, and I told him playing on the iPad was not an option at that time. Our interaction that day was one of those mundane, innocuous moments in his life, but it was more than a quick interchange between a father and a son that we would forget five minutes later. It was an opportunity. That's what it was. It was a little opportunity in his mundane life to choose how he was going to respond to disappointment, and he did well. Here's what he said. This is it. He merely said, okay, and he moved on to the next thing. My prayer for our children is that they will be able to respond this way when they are adults. Because you know, all of you adults who are listening to this podcast, the degree of difficulty uh, is it more difficult, it's, it's harder as you get older when their desires and hopes at that future day, their dreams are significantly higher than playing on a device. Paul talked about it this way in 2 Corinthians 12:10. He said, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content. And that's really what we're talking about. I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Now granted, what happened to my son was not an insult, a hardship, a persecution, or a calamity. But he said in that moment of testing, okay. And he moved on to the next thing. Paul finished that verse in 12.10 of 2 Corinthians saying, For when I am weak then I am strong. The, the counterintuitive message of the gospel. Now, if, if my children learn this key to fruitful living, only the Lord will limit their usefulness in life. If they come to that place to where they can respond with that kind of maturity, only the Lord will create a ceiling for them. Typically, God does not limit us. We do it to ourselves by our attitudes and our thoughts, especially when we do not get what we want, even if our desires are good. And the reason we limit ourselves because of our bad attitudes and bad thoughts toward disappointments that come to us is because we are proud and God always opposes the proud. Pride will always keep you from being all the Lord desires for you. Think again about my son's response to not being able to play on our iPad. He was content with my decision not to play. His contentment freed him from so many things because the opposite of that, not being okay with my no to him, Well, it freed him from anger, frustration, disappointment, discouragement, demands. If he had turned it on me and began to demand that I give him what he wanted or a bad attitude. He was free from all of those things. He was free to move on and enjoy whatever the next thing life was going to offer him. He was not limiting himself. He was raising the ceiling of possibilities because he was content with the no that he got in his life. But if he had succumbed to any of those sinful responses that I just mentioned, he would not have been in a position to move on materially or contentedly. His unmet desire for iPad time would have held sway over him. Perhaps you can think of a time when you didn't get what you wanted and you did not respond with maturity and, and that unwise response held sway over you and you begin to limit yourself. You, you see, this simple illustration is for your self-examination. How are you responding to the things that others are not providing for you? Life for you is more complicated than being turned down from an opportunity to play a game on a mobile device. I get it. The things you would like are far more critical. For example, a wife wants a loving husband. Yes, and amen, a good desire. A husband wants a loving wife. Yay. Parents want children who love them and love God. Absolutely. A child wants her parents to love her and to love God. Let it be so. A single person wants to be married. Praise God. Though those things are far more crucial, the process for how to think about these ideas or to think through these ideas are no different from the interchange with my son. How you respond to a no in your life will determine the kind of life you are going to experience. Your life cannot always be a yes to everything that you want. That would make no sense. And it indeed is not in line with the Word of God, because you know suffering is a promise from the Lord. We read that in one place, for example, Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. If you are a parent, you are well aware how always saying yes to your child would be detrimental to his maturity, as well as how he relates to others. You know what you call that child. It's a spoiled child. The parent who never says no to a child is ruining that child, and only by the grace of God can that child be helped restored, repaired. The spoiled child is a manipulator, a user of people, and any loving parent would not provide everything a child craved. How much more does your heavenly father love you? It is his profound love for you that restrains him from giving you all the desires of your heart. Living in this truth is the difference between being biblically mature and immature. When someone responds wrongly to a disappointment, and by the way, I am a professional. I have done this wrong many times, and though I am talking directly to you, as I have said on other occasions in these podcasts, my articles, every blooming one of them, they are my personal devotions. One of the ways that I do devotions is by writing. I'm been doing that since 1994. I've been doing it for a long time, writing that is, and it's one of the ways that I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And so though I am talking to you, please understand what you are listening to here are my, one of my devotions. And so I am a professional in the sense, in the worst sense that I have responded wrongly to disappointment many times. But when a person does respond wrongly, it will become harder and harder for them to react correctly in the future. It's like walking down steps. Once you start going down it will be harder and harder to get back up. The Hebrew writer speaks about this process. You see how difficult it is to partake in God's riches when your desires become self-focused. I am referring to Hebrews 5, through 14. Let me share that with you. The Hebrew writer said about this, quote, We have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. They weren't always dull, but through an incremental process of walking down those steps, they have become dull. And by the way, they will become duller. They will become hardened after a while. But the writer says, but it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, exercised, a regimen. Those are the mature ones. They have powers of discernment that have been trained by constant practice to distinguish good and evil. You see the difference here, the contrast here between dull of hearing and drinking milk versus solid food, and your powers of discernment are trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. At this point in their walk with the Lord, they have not matured enough and they're being rebuked here by the Hebrew writer because of their lack of maturity, to their inability to receive the more in-depth and more precious things from God. They're immature. At least some of them are. Imagine if my son was stuck on an iPad fixation for the next 10 years. <laughs> that would be terrible. Suppose he could not index forward. Maybe it would be more accurate to say he would not index forward. There is a big difference there. Could not index forward makes him sound like a victim. Would not index forward makes him sound like a a volitional person who's making real choices. But suppose he would not index forward from having to have his iPad desires met. Think about how it would dull his mind He's walking down them steps again, cutting him off from the more significant things that a mature person would experience. Though your unmet desires are more complicated than missing iPad time, a wrong response to disappointment is similar. The difference for you is if you persist in your frustration over not getting what you desire, even if it's a good desire. I said that before and I want to reiterate that because sometimes we get tripped up. It was a good desire. What's the problem? Why can't I have it? The nice husband, the nice wife, the happy children, the parents who love God. The difference is if you persist in your frustration over not getting what you want, your heart your heart will harden exponentially. Suffering and disappointment are gifts for the mature, but stumbling blocks. For the immature. If you want to know if you are growing in wisdom, then just answer this question here. Looking through your rearview mirror, how are you responding to the disappointments in your life? Biblical maturity can be the possession of the young, the poor, or even the illiterate, while being elusive from the old, the rich, or the educated. There is only one data point necessary to assess a person's maturity. It is how you regularly respond to your disappointments. When you do not get what you want, what is it that you see or perceive at that moment? If an iPad were all that my son could see, that would be the thing that would control him. Whatever it is that you see at that moment of your disappointment will manage your life. How about you? What controls your thoughts when you hear a no? Listen to this dialogue when a no came down. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there or been here, my brother would not have died. When Mary and Martha heard about their brother's sickness, Lazarus, that eventually turned into death. They had a hard time accepting God's decision about the matter. They became chippy with the Lord, even accusing him of not doing the right thing. All they could see was the death of their brother. They could not perceive the higher work of God. Now, fortunately, Mary and Martha's immaturity did not control Jesus. You see, you could turn this around. Jesus got a disappointment. In that moment, Mary and Martha were not cooperating. And so here are two people who are not getting what they want. Mary and Martha aren't getting what they want. And Jesus is not getting what he wants. But Mary and Martha's immaturity did not control Jesus, though they could not see the bigger picture. He could. This is what he said. And as this dialogue continues, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died and for your sake i am glad that i was not there so that you may believe jesus saw the bigger picture it was more than just a man dying it was just it was more than a temporary disappointment he had something greater in mind in view the thing that is most dominant in your thinking will have the most control over your life The idea that exerts power over you will control your mind, and it will control your behaviors. What if you examine yourself to see how mature you are? Let me ask you four questions. When you're in the middle of relational conflict, what captures your thoughts? And Again, you'll have to look back in the rearview mirror again to think about the most recent one. If you're like me, it wasn't that long ago, sadly. When you're in the middle of a relational conflict, what captures your thoughts? Number two, when the pressures of life continue to mount, where does your mind go? Again, you're assessing yourself to see how mature you are. Self-awareness is huge. Because our thing is that we tend to blame, we tend to look out there somewhere, and and we have a sinful reaction and we have these weird justifications in our minds for why we did what we did. Question number three, when people are not meeting your expectations, how much does that disappointment control you? Perhaps you had a recent disappointment. Is it still controlling you? When you cannot get, here's question number four, when you cannot get what you want, does the fear of losing what you crave manage your thinking? Now there are a lot of spouses who are unhappy in their marriages. And if you begin to examine their ongoing unhappiness because the other spouse is not everything that they want them to be, a lot of times you will find fear underneath what's going on in in the hurting spouse's life. They fear of losing what they crave, and it manages their thinking. And if you don't change that if you don't change the direction of your thoughts from going down these steps as opposed to going up which is what you should be doing you can go to a very bad place you can become dull of hearing as the hebrew writer was saying you see the danger in these scenarios is the spirit is the spiritual laziness that disables a person's thinking And I don't mean to be unkind here, but it is spiritual laziness. Think about it. It takes hard work to respond right to God in moments of disappointment. Let me read this text again from Hebrews that I shared with you earlier. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. Here it is, trained by constant practice. That's why I said it's it's spiritual laziness that disables a person's thinking because it takes hard work to respond right to God in moments of disappointment. When disappointment comes, you must hold on to your faith. The spiritually mature person can do this because he works hard or she works hard at discerning between good and evil his training regimen enables him to make the right decision which moves him closer to god rather than farther from god you see what happens every time you respond wrongly to no you take a step farther from god every time you you respond correctly to the disappointment you move a step closer to God. I have a graphic here in this article. Again, the title of the article is How to Assess Yourself to See If You Are Mature. I will be not be able to explain this graphic in this podcast in detail, but if you have the time and you want to, please go to this article and you're welcome to have this graphic and use it, teach it in your own Sunday school class, but by all means, ask the Lord to use this visual illustration to help transform you, the ongoing and daily choices that we make. If we make the right ones, if we respond correctly each time, we become more intimate, more secure, stronger in our relationship with the Lord. Now, this kind of maturity can only come from choosing yes to God when you get a no to your desires. The more you say yes to the Lord, the easier things will become and the higher you will ascend with Him. The strength you gain from this process will help you to stay focused and governed. During the times of trouble, it's kind of like working out in the gym, which, by the way, that's what that word means in the Hebrew passage, gymnasium, working out, trained, exercise. It is hard work, but it gets easier and easier. It will stabilize you when the pressures of life seek to dominate your thinking. It will give you a God-centered perspective on personal disappointment. If your focus moves away from the Lord, and the trials that the Father writes into your script begin to shake you, there will be discouragement and temptation to quit. You should not be discouraged. Failure is not bad news. Failure is your opportunity to change your thinking and your direction. Do not miss this point. Your trial is supposed to point you to God. It should not motivate you to continue to fixate on what you are not getting. God does not waste pain, and you should not either. If you fixate on what you are not getting or on the person who is keeping you from getting what you desire, you will not only waste your suffering, but you will suffer more because of the self-imposed bondage that you place on yourself. This is what I was saying earlier, that you can limit yourself. We are self-limiting. The Lord is not. The two most important things in your life at the point of your trials are, number one, perceiving the actual condition of your soul. Number two, adjusting yourself as needed. The most important thing is not to become fixated on your disappointment, but what the trial is revealing to you about you. Though overly focusing on the trial is normal, natural, native to us, it is not wise or biblical. It is Christian immaturity that is revealing spiritual slothfulness, fear, and anger. Over time, spiritual atrophy will set in if you do not change. Plus, you will become hardened by the suffering that was designed to tender you. The question for you is, where does the path to altering the conscience begin? As the person becomes harder and harder, where does that path of altering the conscience begin? Typically, spiritual hardness starts with a mild disappointment. As innocuous as the disappointment may be, this is why I was so excited when my son said, okay, I'm not going to be able to use the iPad. Okay. And he moved on. It was innocuous. And as innocuous as the disappointment may be, it can be the beginning of a person's drift from God. Perhaps you have seen the extreme case of the person who overly fixates on what had happened to them or how they have suffered, particularly at the hands of another person. You probably noticed how this kind of person is bitter, critical, cynical, resentful, spiteful, unforgiving, and not trusting. Maybe you can add some other descriptors there. Their walk with God has grown cold or is growing cold. Wouldn't you like to be able to help them to perceive how they have missed the point of their disappointments? The key to a biblically mature life is when you can cherish God more than any other desire. This attitude is the definition of biblical maturity. It is a surrendered will that wants to see God accomplish His will in their life. An attitude that comes through hard work and incomprehensible grace. The title of the podcast, How to Assess Yourself to See if You Are Mature. Let me ask you a couple of questions in the call to action part, and then we'll finish. Number one, do you have ongoing disappointment in your life because you have not been able to acquire something you desire, even if that desire is a good desire? Number two, how has that disappointment changed you, or how is it changing you? Number three, what do you think the Lord could be doing by withholding the thing you want? Number four, What does your ongoing disappointment say about you? And finally, number five, how do you need to change? Here's your homework assignment. Will you write out a specific and practical plan that you can implement into your life today? Will you share it with a friend, asking them to carefully, compassionately, courageously, and consistently speak into your life? If you want to talk about this or perhaps something else, get on our forums. Let us know. We'd love to meet you there. Your Daily Drive is a production of RickThomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to RickThomas.net. RickThomas.net.